But now we're seeing that words like collaborative, kindness even, those words are really popping up all around our work landscape around us. And so it's okay to use those, but you have to know what words are important to you and why. And they're coming from some kind of life experience. Do you often wonder whether there's more to life than your nine to five job? Do you dream about having a life that has no boundaries, where you can decide what to do and where to do it? And does the thought of how to get that life maybe overwhelm you just a little bit? Then this is the podcast for you. Join me as I uncover how to get that freedom and live a life that needs no retirement plan. I'll be scouring the internet and chatting with people from all walks of life who are out there living life to the max instead of punching a time card. I'm Jackie Doucette, and this is Beyond Retirement. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Retirement. Today, I'm really pleased to be joined by Linda Lattimore, who is a well-regarded speaker, a published author, and an educator in the field of sustained leadership. She's a seasoned lawyer, a C-suite executive and business strategist, and she's committed to helping individuals from millennials to boomers understand the importance of their unique gifts and talents to a world in need. I think it's going to be really interesting listening to what she has to share with us today because she's got so many answers for us in how to take our life a little bit further. Uh, Linda's book, Solutionaries, You Are the Answer, released in 2018, and it became an instant bestseller. And this book is a path for individuals to fill their heart accounts as full as their bank accounts. Linda is also the founder of Solutionaries Academy, Cross Sector Institute, and WGN Global Fund, which is a nonprofit supporting social entrepreneurs. Linda, what a great, uh, what a great uh, resume right there. Thank you so much for joining me. Golly, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. I think it's going to be uh, really, really interesting. I'm really excited to hear um, more about all the things that you're doing. Uh, but the idea of, of you having a, a book that teaches us how to approach doing more purposeful work is just fascinating, I think. And if you could go into that a little bit, how you uh, develop that idea and, and what you're doing with it, that would be wonderful. Sure, sure. Well, it's interesting about that book because I sometimes call it my accidental book. I was not planning on writing the book, but I started receiving phone calls from like four people in four days who were referred to me, I think because I was a business lawyer and also because I have the nonprofit. I'm very interested in social enterprise, um, which is just basically a for-profit business that has social heart to it. And these folks were calling me saying that they'd been referred to me and they didn't, they didn't know what they wanted to do. They wanted to do something that made their heart feel good, that made them have a sense of purpose, but they didn't have a clue what it was. They didn't have a clue, even honestly, what they were interested in. And so after getting all those calls, I stepped back and thought, how can I help? And um, began the process of creating a mastermind for them. So... I called all these folks back, and by that time, there was eight or ten people and said, come on back, and, and I'll give you some exercises, and I think that I can help you. And we began the process, which I'll go into if, if you want me to in a minute. And they started saying, I know what I want to do. I, I, I have these great ideas. I haven't felt this excited in years. And off they went, and then I had accidentally written this book, <laughs> which became, like I say, number one on, on Amazon first day out. It did really well. Um, yeah, so that's how the book came to be. 
Wow, that's amazing. Just kind of a fluke, somebody telling someone to uh, give you a call and that's what started it. Yes, a whole bunch of people telling telling people to give me a call, all in the space of three or four days. So it was, it was really interesting. And honestly, the conclusion that I've come to about that and many conversations since then is that almost everybody these days is on digital overload with bad news. It's, if you read the skim in the morning, it's coming into your box. If you read, um, I'm, I'm in Austin, I'm in Texas in the United States, so if the New York Times shows up, it's, all, it's bad news, whatever. It's all day long, you're being inundated with catastrophes around the planet, whether it's political or whether it's weather or whether it's, you just don't see a lot of good news. And people really want to help. I mean, the average human being wants to do something for the world. But these things are so big that they don't see where they fit in. So they're sort of like a deer in the headlight. They want to help, but they haven't distilled it down to small little pieces that they can actually get their hands around and go do something. But if we could do that, collectively, we would make a massive, a massive positive change to our world. Oh, that's true. Yep. So that's kind of where that was. the. I think that's why they all started calling, because they wanted to help. They just didn't know where to begin. Right. And that what you're saying about seeing all the massive bad things going on, it is so overwhelming. And you just kind of think, you know, I can't do anything to change that. How can how can anything that I could possibly do make an impact when so many bad things are going on? But yeah. just the chance of doing your little piece and showing how it adds in. Maybe that's, uh, maybe that's the key, I guess. Well, it's, it's sort of that old, uh, that old thing about how many marbles are in a jar. I mean, you can get a lot of marbles in there, and if everybody is just doing one thing, eventually the jar is full. And that's, that's what happened was, you know, I, I mean, I think once we sat down at the table, um, the first thing that I gave them to do was to kind of understand what their value proposition was. I mean, the truth of the matter is, most of us don't really understand what our value proposition is, what we bring to the world that's unique and different and special. And we know our education and we know our job skills that we picked up in the workforce along the way, but we rarely look back and say, what did I learn from that life's lesson that has created a value to me and about me? So, for example, if you were lied to your whole life, honesty would probably be a value to you that you would really appreciate. Um, if you didn't, if you were one of those kids that was bullied along the path or, or you moved all the time, like I went to five high schools in four years because my father was in international business and we just, we were on the, on the road, right? With his job. Friendship is an absolute number one value to me. And I'm extremely loyal so once we had, once I had all these folks sit down and actually look at life experiences, they were shocked to find some of the words that what I call value words, because we can't just pull them out of the air like, I believe in integrity, I believe, there's no backstory to it. It's these stories that shifted our perception that create our backstory. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And so they came up with these amazing lots of value words all these different groups because it, it ended up being more than one group started coming together and then I said well do I actually know what's important to you like I might know what you do but do I actually know what's important to you 
And if you don't tell me a story and tell me why it's important, I will never know that. Right? I mean, I won't know what's important to you in terms of seeing a job opportunity or any kind of opportunity that I think you fit with because I may not know what's important to you. I only know job skills that you pulled out of a job description through on your LinkedIn. Right. So a lot of opportunities are being closed down for everybody. And I think particularly women. I mean, I, I hate to say this, but we have been more reticent about expressing the softer touch. And a lot of our value words come out of a, our softer words. Intuition, collaboration, those are things that people value. But we've been a little more reticent to express those values, I think, because they seemed soft. But now the world and quite frankly the workforce is beginning to look for those words that's why that's why leaders are stepping in with these new words well that's interesting because that's uh, my background is um military and mm -hmm. the softer words are definitely not the ones that are uh, right necessarily looked at uh favorably right yeah and that's always been the case i mean uh, I'm for sure, you know, I'm in my 60s. I'm a boomer. And when I started, when I went to law school, there was only six of us in, in my law school class. My first job as a young lawyer, well, not my first, but at one point I was a federal prosecutor. I was the only woman in the criminal division. I've been general counsel of two or three companies. I've been the only woman in the C-suite. And so I certainly was afraid to show that I'm going to call it softer side of me because we were trying to be like the guys. But now we're seeing that words like collaborative, kindness even, those words are really popping up all around our work landscape around us. And so it's okay to use those, but you have to know what words are important to you and why, and they're coming from some kind of life experience. So are you finding that people are, um, looking to have though have employees with more of those kind of characteristics now as well they're, they're yeah harder. I think what's happening is like it was very interesting I had one woman that was a fashion designer and actually manufacturer of, of clothes and she established six or seven words based on life experiences and she called me one day and she says oh my god she says I just had a meeting and I thought I'd throw some of those words out it's all guys at the meeting some of those words out I don't know it was all Oh, man, but, um, and, and just test out if that really works, you know, and she said, three of them stopped her and said, oh, my God, we didn't know you felt that way, and we feel the same way, too. Wow. So it began to, yes, it began to act as a bridge, and I had another woman who was in her 50s write me, and what we did was, it's because it's important once you understand the things that are important to you, that you begin to put it out there in the world. You, and you probably won't use the words, like maybe you won't say, I'm a kind person, but you can certainly show your kind with a picture on your website or some action that you did in a bio or a resume if you're looking for work. Quite frankly, if you're looking to be on a board, I mean, it doesn't have to all be about paid work, right? It can be about, most of us want to do something, you know, we don't retire out of life, <laughs> We just, some of us, we may retire out of an income job, but, but we're still out doing some things that are important to us, right? So, but if you want to get in with the right people that have the same interest as you, you have to let them know. 
right? And so we began to weave in her LinkedIn profile her value words. So we said she always thought she was adventuresome and that nobody had ever noticed that about her. She was in IT. So we put in there, she's an adventuresome soul who enjoys X, Y, Z. Well, the truth of the matter is I want to align with somebody or work with somebody or for some who's adventuresome. I find that attractive. And I want those kind of people supporting me. Um, but we don't stick those words in our work resumes and profiles. No, it doesn't sound professional. We think it's not going to be professional. But when we start using the words expressing who we are, and I, I get very tired of our authentic self, that word, it just gets to be so trite to me. But, but there's, tr there's a veracity to it. When we start expressing who we are through these mediums, either in person showing who we are or online, if, if you do have things like LinkedIn profiles or other social media, if you can show who you are by pictures, by your actions, by the things, the um, extracurricular things that you do, um, other people see that and you begin to draw on like-minded people, which will offer you opportunities. But they're not gonna. They're you're not. They're not gonna come find you as long as you have things like, I can manage a department for X Y Z. I can, you know, mentor these people. I can make fifty, you know, fifty million dollars for you. The very the things we've always had in there, because right. that doesn't distinguish you as a human being. So, how do you go about with your mastermind groups? Um, helping them identify those. You talk about getting them to tell stories, but what do you do to dig into that to help them figure out what their words are? Well, I, and actually I, um, I will get you, I will get you a link that I have to, um, now that I should have thought about that, to a document that I have, which has like 50 different situation, something that happened when you were a child, something that happened in your first job, something that happened in your, if you're married in your marital relationship, that shifted the way that you looked at things, that caused you to, to, to have a certain feeling about something, right? And then they come up with one word, don't get to have more than one, and it has to be positive. So, for example, I had one woman one time uh, say, well, I learned never to trust again when that happened. And I said, let's reframe that and say, I learned to be discerning. Because the truth of the matter is, I want to work with someone's discerning. I want to be around someone's discerning, but I probably don't want to be around someone or hire someone or work with them, even on a committee, if they don't trust anybody. Right. So there's ways to come up with these, right? These seven words will peel the onion down. Um, I had another woman, I thought this was so profound. She said, you know, I, I've always owned an art gallery. Um, or she'd owned a couple of art and she said, but I never thought I was creative and I wanted to be so badly. All the artists were creative and I wanted to be creative. And she said, you all have made me realize today that based on surviving my teenage years, I had to be creative and I will always see myself as creative now. Wow. So this was a word now that she felt free to use because she has been able to think of the backstory that goes behind it. So that when someone says, how do you know that you are X, Y, Z? Because this happened to me. So once we narrow those down, we go back in on the second step. And, and when we, there's worksheets. Like the worksheet I can give you the link to that's got 50 situations, right? Um, and the book has it. Obviously, 
the book, mm -hmm. the book, Solution Issue, the answer is nothing but worksheets. It's this whole process. But um, the second step, okay, you've picked your words. Now, are you using them? And that's when this one woman told me she'd tried it at the meetings. The other said, oh, my God, my bio's the first time it's my authentic me in 55 years, you know, because she was brave. Um, and they start studying that and going, how am I actually, and how am I showing up personally? Because it's not just digitally. If I'm at a meeting, how do people know that I'm these things? Right. right. Through my stories, through my actions. So it becomes a personal brand, which is really just what people say about you when you leave the room. Right. That's your brand. <laughs> that's your brand. I mean, that's, that's your personal brand. So, um, so that would, that's actually the first two steps of, of really getting why your value proposition and how you show it is so important. But for these folks, what we wanted to say was, okay, now, and honestly, for a lot of people that are retired, I have left, I, I, I've had some people tell me they feel like they're free falling because suddenly they're out of this job they've had for a million years and they don't know what to do and they're not, they don't want to sit at home. And so they just feel like they're free falling, you know, particularly if they've worked at a job for a really long time. That's been, that's, I would imagine it's, it's like a divorce. I would imagine you don't have that partner, your work partner anymore. So we have to think, well, what are you interested in? I think I mentioned the first group didn't know what they were interested in. So I actually have them go and look at the newspaper. Um, or anywhere and just say, what are three things that interest you? And what are three things that bother you? Because I'm having them look at it in terms of a so social purpose, because I think that's what brings you the heart dollars mm -hmm. uh, more than a hobby. Right. That's when you really feel like you've made a difference. And that was really hard too for this first group that came in. Some of the ladies came in kind of teary and I was like, what's going on? I, I was thinking it'd be like a vision board. <laughs> Just come back with, I mean, it could be Elon Musk and electric car would interest you. It didn't have to be something awful, you know? And they said, we have put blinders on because the world is so hard to look at right now. And you forced us to go look. And so here are the things that bother us. And I would say, a great percentage of time, it's because of something that happened to a family member in their own life, in their childhood. There, there's some issue out there that tugs at their heartstrings because they can relate to it somehow. It's not always just climate change. Or, you know, it's not a bit, it's not big issues. And that, I mean, I want them to say, I can't stand the fact that I'm, these kids don't feel safe crossing the street. Right. And, you know, down by the school right now, there's no school guard. I mean, they can find something that's bothering them. It doesn't have to be global poverty or climate change. It can be something and should be something much closer to their, to their heart. And so they begin to identify that. Okay. So do you help them kind of narrow it down that way then? Um, if well, what I the do. Global picture? Yes. And, and actually part of, part of the worksheets is, okay, you know, if it is climate change and they're bothered by that, there's whole, there's whole bunches of pieces to that, right? I mean, how it's affecting animals, plants. I mean, there, there's a lot of things. Please go narrow it down, pick it, study it a little bit. That's part of the deal. Go, go do your research and find a piece of it that is particularly um, interesting to you. So, 
they'll come back with about three or four things that are is interesting to them. I'll say, okay, now you know what the topic is. Let's bring it down to a local level. And we start looking at who's, who's actually working in that space trying to fix that issue. I mean, because that's sort of, I don't actually like the word your tribe because I think that sounds exclusive, but it is a peer group that's, that you would have something in common with, right? So, um, and I'm trying to think, if, if it's education, for example, I know here in Austin, Goodwill um, has a huge education program for vets who are returning and also for um, folks who, who quit in high school and now at 30 are trying to come back and, and get a high school degree. And it's not just a GED. I mean, they are actually going to high school and having that high school experiences and finishing it up. So maybe you're interested in education. So start finding who in that space is working on that closer to you. So you begin to find other people close by with a common interest that you can go meet and go find out what they're doing. Um, same thing if, if you're looking, I mean, that's on a volunteer basis, but if you're looking for work, you would go through the same process. Which companies are looking to maybe solve this issue that, that calls to me? And now where does my skill set and values align with that company? And do they have the same values as me, right? Because if they don't have the same values, there's no chance for success. Right. But there's a path to walk down either for work work or there's a path to walk down for volunteer. And so we've had some people go, well, I've always loved gardening. And um, there's one woman who really loved gardening and she was a yoga teacher. And I put her in contact with a woman that was running a community garden here. And she was thrilled. She finally had a sense of being able to combine health with her love of gardening uh, in a give back situation. Very nice. Kind of a, a win for everybody. I think so. I do. It's a step-by-step -step process, though. I mean, you actually have to put some thought to it. And I, I tell everybody, don't get ahead of yourselves. And don't just, you know, we have tendencies to grab words out of the air. What's important to you? And we just grab things. But we haven't really stopped and thought about it. Right. Um, and, and why it's important to you. And, and so that is what really the key is here and so, so the groups that I run we honestly we do it virtually we get on um, a zoom call and so people will be coming in from different cities and we just start going through this everybody has homework every week homework I mean it's these it's a worksheet it's not it's not like college <laughs> you know it's something to fill and then they come together and, and discuss it together that's important I mean it doesn't have to be loads and loads of work, but it's got, to, it's got to be something that makes them think about it because you're trying to, trying to change the way you're looking at things, and that, that's hard work. Well, I think the thing that I, I love about, you know, my generation, it's the truth of the matter is that the boomers and millennials are not very different. Um, I mean, sometimes we don't, we don't communicate particularly well together sometimes in, in the workplace. Um, but we're not actually all that different because we had a huge, have always had a huge heart to serve and we're innovative just like, just like they are. Right. You know, so now I call it boomeranging. The boomers are circling back around. They are actually the largest in terms of numbers um, in hiring. The boomers are the largest group to be hired these days right now going up. Oddly enough, they're coming back in. Um, but they're trying to design how they come back in. 
in a different way. You know, they don't want to go back in like they did before. They might want to come in uh, part-time. I have suggested to a large oil company uh, in Houston that maybe they um, do some programs for boomers where they can come in and they can work reduced hours because they may not want to work 80 hours a week anymore. I don't, I mean, I don't, you know, um, they feel like they've paid their dues, but they have so much wisdom, so much knowledge, a big network um, that the company is crazy if they don't use this generation of knowledge to, to help mentor and download their information to the next, the ones underneath, you know? So I, is that what you're saying as well? Yeah, exactly. That's uh, generally, and I think the millennials are the same. They don't want to be working 80 hours a week either. No, so, they don't. We're all, we're all kind of aiming towards the same goal is a little bit of a, a better balance between what we can do to make the world better and what we have to do to be a job. Yes. Well, and I think it's honestly, I think finally we can begin, certainly at our age, we can begin to design our lives. I, sometimes when you're young and your kids are coming into the world and, and you're just trying to get food on the table and, and, get, and designing your life, you, you just feel like you're hanging on by your fingernails. You know, you're not designing anything. But, but at this point in our lives, our kids are gone. So we should be able to finally really step back and think, what would I like to do? What would I find really interesting that I could possibly make some money at as well? And there's a lot of opportunities out there right now. And that's the whole goal of my podcast to kind of explain or share with people that there is, there's a whole world out there. You don't need to sit on your, uh, sit on your sofa and watch TV. There's so many things. Oh, to do. no, no, no. And I would say uh, it's not just that we want, them not to be bored, the ones that have chosen to be couch potatoes, um, <laughs> but, but that we badly need them. And I think that's what people sometimes don't realize. We badly need all of us right now to just step in because no one else has the same life experiences combined with the same work experiences and education. Not one other person on the planet. We have our imprint and it is really needed right now. And if people felt needed, and valued they would be thrilled <laughs> yeah, at least that's so at least that's what i'm hearing from everybody but they but even they don't understand their value proposition so that's that's why this work is so profound i think that's a that's the key step is that you have to show people that they have a value proposition you have to you know bring that back into the forefront because they're just thinking well i've done all my my work my time is done. It's, you know, I've got nothing else to give and there's just so much else. Well, and I have to tell you that I, I tell a lot of folks that I do work, it's a little bit different take on it, but it's still the same thing. If you're in a, what I'm going to call a homogenous industry, you're a real estate agent or an insurance agent or something where the products and services are pretty much identical. How do you set yourself apart? I, in my mind, there's only one way to do it. There's only one. And that's the, the good work that you're doing for the world. Because the product and, and it's 6% real estate commission or, or whatever it is, it just doesn't vary unless you give up some points or something, but it doesn't vary. So um, I recently spoke to a large 
a large group of, of women lawyers. It was sort of the same thing. I was like, okay, you know, lawyers, I'm sorry, I'm one. They're a dime a dozen. I mean, there's a lot of lawyers out there. If Mary is looking to hire a lawyer, her friends are all going to give her the names of some lawyers, and she's going to go online. She's going to see that they're all really expensive, and they all pretty much have the same qualifications. And then she'll see that one of them has a picture of her standing next to a horse and a little girl on it, and she's on the board of the equine therapy organization, which works with children and vets. And the woman thinks, my husband's a vet. I'm hiring her because she related in a way that had nothing to do with the product and service. And that gets back to showing your values. In that lawyer's case, it was important to give back in that way. She was a horsewoman. It was important to give back in that way. Well, she found a whole group of people who now want to be around her because of her values and what she shows the world, not because of what she does for a living. Right. And that's it becomes the... secondary. I mean, it's the distinguisher. It's the, it's the positive impact you make. So whether you have decided you're leaving big corporate here in Austin, big corporate America, and want to be an entrepreneur and start your own business, or, um, or you want to stay and set yourself apart, the only way to do it is to show who you are and what else you bring to the table besides that stuff we've always had. Right. And that's, that's the key. And that's what we're slowly learning as entrepreneurs. I, I say we, me as an entrepreneur, but others as they're building their business, they're doing things the, the same idea. You have to set yourself apart somehow. And the way you do that is the benefits that you bring, the qualities that you have, the, the other things that you can offer, because otherwise it's price and it's qualifications. And that's all that you that's all it is. And, it, and it's not, I have to tell you, what I'm seeing at any rate is it's not even so much on how competent you are. I mean, nobody wants to hire someone who's incompetent, but everyone claims they're competent. So I have one client, for example, who is starting a recruiting business. She can work at home that way. Um, and she, does, she, she still has children at home, but it could be someone who's trying to get out of the big scene and wants to have a, an entrepreneurial business at home, in her case, job recruiting. She also has a pretty big background in um, sort of like um, drug therapy assistance. So we've been talking about the fact that she could approach, for example, recovery centers and say, this is the part of me where I give back. She's gone to churches and other places trying to do some workshops for people who are struggling uh, with recovery. But if she also can go in and help place these people in jobs, she has found an additional market here that's not just recruiting and placing. Right. It's very tied into the positive impact that she's doing in the world. So there's always, for every one of these, there's a, there's a way to do this. Right. So that's just to kind of summarize a little thing, a little bit, we're uh, kind of running short on time now. Unfortunately, I think we could probably talk for quite a bit longer. Um, going through the steps in your Solutionaries book, you understand, you learn to understand your value proposition, which is going to be separate from the skills and the you know, education, that kind of thing. It, it works more on the experiences that you've developed. And you have to learn how to bring that out both online and offline so that it shows up in who you are 
And then you've got to go out and figure out what interests you in terms of those things and, and how you can be drawn into that and, and maybe help in that way. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, I think it's just for once, if we can go about it this way, we'll find work. And like I say, I always qualify work with paid or unpaid because this goes either direction, right? Because different people are in different places. But rather than going and saying, oh, I can do these things, but it just not, but the product just never tugging at your heart. Right. But you can you can do the job stuff over day. We're saying we're coming in through the back door here. We're doing what we all probably should have done when we weren't starving young kids and say, what would I, what am I interested in? I mean, what calls to me, regardless of how much money I can make, regardless of whether there's a job out there, what even calls to me, you know, that I wish was not a problem anymore, that I wish that it was something I could see fixed. Once we know that, then we find the companies and then we begin to go match up the values together and the job skills. But it's not coming like we've always done in the past, which was almost copying job skills out of the, out of the job requirement and putting them in our cover letters like, well, well, they need this. I only get all those words in there. <laughs> no, now we're saying, what are they doing first that I want to, that, that just touches my heart? there's plenty of jobs out there. So let's start from that direction or plenty of boards or plenty of volunteer. Let's start from that place rather than the other place. Right. Stop looking at it. How can I, uh, where am I going to make a living and start looking at it? Where am I going to make an impact? Where yes. Can how can, rather than how can I fit in? What do I bring that's going to make this really work for these people? And then you're, you feel like you're an important cog in the wheel. So that's, that's the process, and it really works. It's a little, it's, we have the luxury of not being as scared as we were, were at 20, Yeah. <laughs> right? I think so. You know, but although these 20-year-olds don't seem all that scared, <laughs> they're a little braver. <laughs> but, um, yes, it's, it's, it's phenomenal, and, and once you sit down and work on it, it just, it, it just brings you such peace. So if people want to find their own peace or get some help from you, where can they find you? Well, I'm easy to find. My website is lindalattimore.com, so L-I-N-D-A-L-A-T-T-I-M-O-R-E.com, and I can, you can, they can write me at linda at lindalattimore.com. That's, uh, that's my personal email. I'm happy to, to answer anything. And also the book is on Amazon, Solutionaries, You're the Answer. And so a lot of worksheets are in there, but if they, they want to become part of one of our Solutionaries groups, write me. Perfect. I'll I make sure that I'd love to hear from the, I'll make sure everything goes in the show notes. And uh, Okay. That sounds great. Thank you very much. I really thank appreciate you talking so to you. much. I, I really enjoyed talking to you too, and I appreciate the, the chance to chat about this. And that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please take a moment to go to iTunes and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. While you're there, how about leaving a rating and a review? It only takes a minute, and it'll really help the show reach more listeners. And don't forget to share the show with someone you know who might get some benefit from it. See you next week.